Welcome to Dragon Talk. Yay! Very excited for this official Dungeons and Dragons podcast to begin. That's Shelly Madsenoble on the mic. Hello. Hello. I'm Greg hello. Tito. And Hi, we are Greg. here to talk about things Dungeons and Dragons. We've got a good show coming at you. We talked to show. Jazz Brown, an amazing. Yeah. Uh, a player, artist, author, Writer. singer, poet. Great stuff coming from her. Yes. And uh, we wanted to let you know about a little book that we are putting together here on the Dungeons & Dragons team. It is called, I almost said the uh, uh, code name, uh, it is called Keys from <laughs> the Golden Vault. Yes. A book of 13 heist-themed adventures. You can get How your fun is that? crew together, your different roles needed for the heist, your bag man, your con man, your high flyer, your... Your decoy. Your driver. Your baby driver. <laughs> <laughs> your golf club. Driver. I like that movie, Baby Driver. That it we, was good, actually. We have not called that movie out as a heist movie, but it actually is a heist movie. Uh, and oh, there's yeah. like three or four different heists within it. Yeah. Yeah. Heists are everywhere and very, very popular. And what a fun way to play D&D. A little bit different than how you may have uh, typically run your games or played your games. We're giving you a lot more, uh, just just some different ways to strategize and a lot of planning and there's if you like maps you're going to be very excited about this book because there's cool maps in here and if you're a dungeon master who likes to tinker and do fun things to keep your party on their toes you're also going to really like this book for sure that's one of my favorite aspects is the different maps there's a player map that has some information some of which may be erroneous (laughs) <laughs> um, and uh, a Dungeon Master's map, that is the one that you would run it uh, with all the full knowledge that you have of what's going on. Um, so I like that idea of like being able to get an in-world map. It's something we talk about Very in cool. Welcome to Dragon Talk, how maps are one of the few objects that have both the players and the characters excited to look at them at the table just as they would. And then there's so much great art in Keys from the Golden Vault that has uh, characters looking at maps. Yes, Oh, no, it's really cool. I as well as like, rappelling. There's a lot of rappelling from from heights in the artwork of keys. Those are two crucial things for heists. <laughs> Maps and rappelling. And keys. And keys. To and golden, golden vault. vault. Yes. Um, Who may or may not be uh, bankrolled by metallic dragons from the ethereal plane. The oh, plane. you don't know that. May or may not. Don't know. Could be. We mysterious organization that you can use in any of your D&D campaigns. Oh, I should write that down. That's really good. Let me, here's That's the good sound. marketing copy right That's there. good marketing copy. It is dun, fun. Dun, dun, dun. I like the idea of there being like an overarching uh, uh, organization that's sending you out on these house heists like a like a Charlie's Angels or a Mission exactly. Impossible type of thing, right? And then, you know, mysterious. of course, Dungeon Masters will... Um, create their own organization that fits their campaign. Yep. Using these things. Fun. Cool stuff. That book comes out when, Shelley? February 21st. That's right. So you don't even have to wait long for it. It'll be in game stores then. Uh, You can get the alternate copy there. Have Uh, you seen, I mean, I know you have seen, but Dragon Talk listeners, have you seen that alt cover? It looks cool. It's like a coffee table book. For reals. 
like all it's of our covers, amazing. And if you, of course, standard copy will be available everywhere uh, then on the 21st. But if you're pre-ordering, by the time you listen to this, you might already be able to read all this content sure. on D&D Beyond digitally. There is a, a way that you can unlock that. Um, and it is, uh, we're already seeing some, some, some positive feedback coming in. Cool. Good stuff. Start playing. Um, that's going on. And of course, we have uh, information from Kyle Brink, the executive producer of the D&D team. He has been out within the community talking to folks on podcasts like this one, uh, as well as videos and streams uh, about our commitment to the community going forward and putting uh, the entire uh, SRD for 5th edition within the Creative Commons license. Um, and uh, we're all about excited about that on the D&D team, and we hope you listeners are too. There's more to unpack about all of that and what's been happening over the last few weeks. Um, but I appreciate the fact that Kyle is going out there and um, answering everybody's questions. Absolutely. Not shying away from questions, and some of them are, you know, rightfully so tough questions. But he's he is... He's talking. He's out there. So definitely check those those interviews out if you, you still have questions or just want to see where everybody's head is at. For real. And of course, many of those conversations were with former guests on Dragon yes. Talk. Uh, so it was great to see them get uh, the chance to, to, to ask all of these questions out there. And uh, there might be some more, uh, you know. Talking about this, uh, maybe on this podcast, uh, we, hopefully Kyle will join us. Yes, well. we actually. I, I don't. Know, we, I think it's okay to say this. We ha- talked to Kyle and created an episode uh, that was very quickly out of date, uh, and so we ended up scrapping. True. It. So that's uh, how fast you, things were moving. <laughs> yes. So those of you who have been paying attention to this feed, we did you know have a few dark weeks there, but that was the reason why was that we had prepared it, we had talked about it, we want and we wanted to be a part of that open conversation. Um, and then uh, everything changed, uh, I think, for the better. So in many ways, we were, we were very excited about uh, the development, and we didn't think putting out the episode that we had had would make any sense. So No, it was out of date. But it, it was, was it was good. It was I'll good. Say, it was a very good interview. <laughs> it's one of our best. It's going to be in the lost, <laughs> uh, you know, the the liner notes from 20 years of yeah. Dragon Talk later Maybe. on. People will be like, well, the lost episode. We'll write a book about all the episodes that never aired. Mm, short book, because there's really only one. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get some more. We do. Yeah. Speaking of our book, welcome to Dragon Talk. Shout out to Pegasus Books in West Seattle Junction, because yeah. I saw it on the shelf there in a very prominent, beautifully displayed uh meet. Like they had it propped up and everything right when you walk in. And that oh, was great. just... They're just so nice, and I couldn't help it. I like, I had to say, that's my book. Aww. And they said, oh wow, it's act- it's selling really well. So probably because all of our friends live in West Seattle. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, that's great. <laughs> but I did let them know that we are both West Seattle people, um, and they were very excited. So it's just it was I it was cool. To, I don't know that I saw it in the wild. I think that might have been the first time. Yeah, yeah. My my wife and daughter saw it there at Pegasus, um, and also got a little bit like, "Oh, that's Dad's book." It's so cute. Yeah, did I a little merchandising, it. make yeah. it stand out more. I love it. Yeah, um, very cool. So uh, obviously, if you can't pick it up through your local bookstore, definitely do that as much as you can. Tell them to 
order it if they haven't uh, got it on their shelves already. Um, but those of you listening to this who may enjoy audio books and listening to things while you are either commuting, working out, or are doing other things, as I know many people do with, with podcasts and audiobooks, you can download us reading our book on anywhere that you get your uh, audiobooks, uh, oh, through Audible, nice. through anything. Um, it's out there in the wild now. So pick it up. Listen to us. Yep. Did you have you listened to it? Actually, I haven't listened to us say it yet either. I'm scared. Yeah, that I I don't think I can handle that. That might be a bridge too far. Also, that's too much. We've been living with these this text and these words for so long that I don't know if I can listen to it all over again. So uh, at least right now, I'll give it some some space, and maybe in a year from now, I'll listen to myself and be like, "Did I really sound like that?" Gosh, Shelly sounds crazy good. Why do I sound so bad? Not true. Not true. We're not just true at all. much more critical on ourselves. That is true. Everybody is. Yep. Um, but a critical hit was rolled when we figured out how to get Jazz Brown on this podcast. Nice. And totally true. And totally She's true. Delight. Delightful. So let's uh, go move to that interview and you'll get to meet and see the delight that we have in talking to her. Let's go. Everyone, let's welcome Jazz Brown to Dragon Dogs. Hey! Hey! Oh welcome. Welcome. Hi. Oh, I don't know why I'm waving. They can't see me. <laughs> we, we can see you. you can, and we you can, can we it. can hear the wave in your voice. Can you? It's like, <laughs> yes, it's like smiling ah. when you talk to a customer service representative. <laughs> Hello. I'd oh. like to change my reservation. You know, smile I, when you say that. <laughs> I'm very good at that. <laughs> I am. A very good skill. I, I have a very good customer service voice. That is the way to do it. Definitely. Uh, you are a, uh, a TTRPG uh, performer. You've been on some streams. You've been playing D&D uh, and getting into it. Um, so, yeah, that's always a good starting point is, like, what was your, your origin story? How did you begin playing Dungeons & Dragons? Um, my origin story, um, I was on Tumblr in 2015. I love Tumblr. <laughs> um, I think, I, uh, I can't remember the exact date actually, but it was, uh, it was about when, uh, the Adventure Zone was really popular. So, nice. um, I, I remember seeing lots of fan art and just kind of following the podcast from a distance through like mutuals and stuff like that and being like, wow, that sounds really cool. Um, and uh, I think on Twitter at some point, I was like, just randomly, oh, I want to play D&D. And then my friend KT, um, who is my dear, dear uh, friend and DM, um, she reached out to me and was like, hey, I'm planning a campaign that'll start up in a couple of months. Do you want to be part of it? I was like, yeah. Um, and it's like four years later and we're still going. <laughs> wow, oh, wow, really? Yes. That same group? Sure. Yep, that same group. We're at le- level... 11, I think. And we play weekly. What's the campaign like? Oh my gosh, it's bonkers. So it's it's like a homebrewed uh, campaign based on Eberron. Um, mm. And it's like, uh, she describes it as kind of like noir-esque. Uh, it's very, it's not grimdark, but it's definitely more like politically uh, driven and stuff like that. Um, we really kind of look at like real world problems through the lens of fantasy and stuff like that. It's really fun. Uh, and um, if you were terribly interested in it, I do uh, 
live tweet our sessions under the hashtag the good fraction and DD adventures if you wanted to check that out you totally could um but yeah it's a lot of fun i play mona she's my um half drow uh half elf rogue paladin and wow. yeah yeah it's a lot of fun well that's a lot of warring halves there yes, i know it is it's actually <laughs> it's actually called the good fraction because each of the um player characters are like half <laughs> something so we have like two half elves two halflings and a tiefling <laughs> oh, oh i like that yeah that's really cool so what was it so y- you just put out on twitter i want to play D and then your friend came to you and said funny mm-hmm. i have a campaign starting so what was your like uh, how did you come up with the type of character you wanted to play or how did you even how did you even begin like to prepare yourself for D D? To answer this question, I have to um, first state that I am an author uh, and I write books and short stories and stuff like that. Uh, I do have a short story and an anthology coming out uh, in fall. Exciting. Um, Being ace, all about uh, asexual characters written by asexual authors. It's very exciting. Um, Oh my gosh, cool. Log aside, uh, I am a very character-driven type writer, so I love all things that have me create characters. I really like RPGs in general. Um, Tabletop RPGs I've never gotten into until, you know, my friend reached out to me and was like, hey, do you want to join this D&D campaign? Um, and um, I, the thing that I knew about D&D is that people die. Um, oh. and so, <laughs> um, Interesting. The, like, the like, biggest warning was like, don't get attached to your characters. And I was like, bet I am going to create a character that I hate so much. Um, and, <laughs> and you're like, I'm gonna want so them you don't, to die. So you don't yeah. care. So and I four, don't care. four years later, it was <laughs> smart. Um, yeah. So she was. So originally, she was lawful evil, um, and she was like a thief and a smuggler, and she was essentially a mercenary. She was like a like a rogue for hire type person, um, mm. and she was a bitch. She was not very nice. Uh, <laughs> I'm sensing a redemption arc here. Redemption. Oh, my goodness. You don't even know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's where the yeah. paladin came in? That's where the paladin came in. It's really funny. Um, so basically, she originally, she was a mole for her party. Uh, the bad guy had hired her to get close to um, one of our characters and basically just, like, inform him of, like, their mm. actions and, like, slow them down if they needed to. What? Um, wait, wait. Was this, like, a something that was devised between you and the dungeon master? Or did yes. you come up? Okay. Did, yes. And the player didn't know that you the were The players didn't know. It was me. It was oh. just me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was, uh, it was, it didn't happen originally. But the problem was that I was like, Mona doesn't care about any of these people. And I don't know how to keep her within the party. And so me and KT were like, well, what if, what if she had to in order to get paid? And I was like, ooh, brilliant idea. And so we had this, <laughs> we had a couple of arcs um, dedicated to that where she, like, the whole thing went down. Um, the whole party ended up being captured by the bad guy. The bad guy, um, like, gave a knife to Mona and was like, kill him. And she was like, no. Uh <laughs> Wow. And I mean, like it was it was a few months worth of character development in between there where she realized that these people treat her really nice and she kind of likes it. Um, and I mean, I have to thank several of my fellow players for that because they they kind of showed her like what is worth kind of fighting for and living for. Um, 
in particular, there is our one of our halflings, uh, the cleric Joran. Uh, he's a cleric of Boldre. Uh, Boldre is like the goddess of like the community and like the hearth, 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 um, hearth, yeah, hearth, gods of the hearth, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so he kind of took her. Her un- under his wing. Wait, that sounds funny because she's a half elf and he's a half wing, but kind of like in a sense of like showed her. And not the an way. ASMR. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no bird um, people. Uh, and uh, yeah, she she started to learn um, very, very, very slowly and not in a linear way um, to be better, to be a better person. Um, and so, yeah, she she's neutral good now. Didn't know she would ever get there, but she did. Uh, and yeah, it was a long time coming. That's so great. I love this story so much because I can't, I mean... We just met a few minutes ago, but for some reason, I'm already <laughs> mapping like, oh, I wonder if this had to do with uh, your coming of age and learning about yourself and w- wanting to uh, 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 allow people to show you, uh, you know, something, uh, some truth you might have not known, right? Like, it feels like it's very parallel to myself in my 20s, perhaps. I suppose. I never thought about it like that. Uh I definitely, so I'm, I'm like the oldest of seven. And so I Mm. have like really strong maternal instincts and that kind of really bled into Mona um, when she realized that she really cared about these people, her devotion to them is really strong. Um, And so it kind of made sense for her to become a paladin of Boldre because her whole shtick is like keeping your community together and protecting them and saving them and stuff like that. So it was really, um, it just, it kind of came about naturally. Um, I don't know if it reflects so much my real life experiences. I was alone for really like a lot of my early 20s. I felt very alone and uh, I didn't have a lot of support um, and kind of had to forge my way, I guess, um, to where I am now. And I'm like, you know, my community is strong now and um, like we're good now, but definitely at the time it was like a really lonely existence. I think that part of Mona was really lonely and didn't realize it until she found people who like showed her what it felt like to fill that void in her um I do know that like once she found it she was definitely like I'm never gonna let this go so yeah I love that I love that you being the oldest of, of of seven too you can certainly have a community of those you're taking care of but you don't always like being around them all the time no. the, the, the <laughs> right or you know you might want to have that matronly feeling but there is a moment of like eh, right like uh, yeah that's, that's part of the matronly feeling I was yeah. gonna say that's part of it that, yeah you gotta totally. get away it's both yeah it's definitely both i love i love my siblings very dearly they are the most important thing in the world to me and also <laughs> <they're laughs> <a little laughs> <sometimes. laughs> yeah nailed it that ellipse I, of dot 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 I, also <laughs> i think it's so cool listening to you talk about this arc of your character because obviously you didn't go into this planning Here's how my character is going to change, which as a writer, you do often mm-hmm. go into your works as knowing like this is the character's arc, although you can be surprised too sometimes in your writing. Yes. But like, so was that hard for you 
because you come from this writing background to let go of that notion of like, no, I know where my character's going and just let it happen? Or was it sort of freeing and cool that way? Yes and no. Um, I... I so I have RPG experience, not necessarily uh, with TTRPGs, but I do have R- RPG experiences where it's like um, you have a plan, and then your characters decide that they want to go that way and add like ten thousand words to hmm. like an already finished manuscript, and you're like, all right, okay, we're doing this, I guess. Um, so like in terms of like letting go, I I very much I'm I have a balance of like plotting and pantsing where it's like kind of my 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 characters do what they want and I just kind of go with it you know um but knowing your characters really well uh and this is something that like I learned as uh I played more and more D&D and other RPGs TTRPGs um knowing your character really well uh you can predict where they're going to step in like grand in the grand scheme of things, how they get there is like kind of up to them. But in terms of like where they're going, like the person they're going to become eventually, you kind of have a general idea for it. Mona surprised me a lot. I did not ever think she was, I was, I thought that maybe the furthest she would go was like true neutral or like lawful neutral, maybe. Um, she's a, she's a good, I don't want to call her a kid because she's the oldest of her party, but like, she's a good <laughs> kid. <laughs> she's a kid compared to like, you know, half elves in general she's 46 47 she just had a birthday um (laughs) but uh yeah like to her yeah happy birthday mona Uh, hopefully somebody did something nice for her did you decorate the house and (laughs) (laughs) uh that was uh, her friends have been kidnapped and like their whole family okay all right she was she was going through a lot her dad her dad messaged her and was like happy birthday and that was really nice but like in terms of birthday um yeah. you're like okay. all you could do is a second level spell for me come on <laughs> it wasn't even his second level spell <laughs> 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 he had to get somebody else to do it because he doesn't have something it's gotta be wow. a, a can trip for this <laughs> streamers up streamers down streamers up streamers <laughs> up. press the digitation <laughs> that would have been a good decorating uh, uh, that'd be fun. Uh, yeah. um no it was it was it was fun, but uh, awesome. yeah, I mean, eh, to the to the original point, um, yes and no. It was difficult, but also not that difficult because I have experience letting my characters run wild. It just she just surprised me. That's all. And that's what the fun of 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 this game can do is like you don't even realize you're role playing out things that might affect you as a person. And you almost like trick your subconscious into coming up with these things. Even, you know, even me hearing your story, I tricked my subconscious to be like, oh, yeah, this is this is what it means. Right. Like looking at someone (laughs) else's dream or something like that. You're like, oh, I know exactly what this means. But, you know, it doesn't. It's all the interpretation. But I love that there are threads where you can pick apart and be like, oh, yeah, I can see maybe this is the, the, the dream logic of 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 why these choices were made. Uh, and I love that. I love that too. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I, let's talk a little bit about writing because writing is awesome. I think me and Shelly just writing wrote a book. Writing is uh, awesome. We're I know, I to saw. Do it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, what type of, you, you mentioned uh, you have a short story coming up, but are you writing uh, other forms? Mm-hmm. I write books primarily. Um, I also write fan fiction if you want to check that out, but you don't have to. Please don't actually. <laughs> <laughs> Scratch I'm searching right now. No! <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> Those I, are also I, books. Fan fiction to me is the same. It, like it was, it was like uh, it's like hundreds of thousands of words. So yes, it, <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm a bit long winded, baby. It's fine. Uh, yeah. What's your What's your franchise of choice to fanfic in? I can't tell you this. <laughs> I'm, I've Understood. got the internet. Understood. Right here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I so I mean. I am drawn to, like, things that have, like, little romance and, like, lots of adventure and um, lots of, like, found family type stuff. So that's the sort of thing that I really, um, I enjoy writing for um, and writing. Uh, so I write, I write books primarily. Uh, I used to write fan fiction. I don't really uh, much anymore, although I've been thinking about picking it up again. Uh, and I write short stories, and I write poems, and I write songs. Uh, oh, Have you ever written songs that you brought to the to the D&D table, like as a bard or something like that? <laughs> Mona has a uh, sea shanty written about her. Nice. Oh, written about her. Written about her. Um, her adopted father was a... Um, pirate i guess you could call him um so yeah he uh he taught her all of her roguish ways and he wrote her a sea shanty yes i love that that you wrote that i wrote mm-hmm. nice <laughs> not good we... sea shanties well, do you want to hear it let me see yes if I, can find I was it. just gonna say <laughs> the weatherman somewhere? comes and the weatherman comes and the <laughs> <laughs> um i don't know if i remember it very well let me, let me see if i remember it no worries. We don't want to. We don't want to put you on the spot. It's so silly. What I do. <laughs> I want to hear it. <laughs> what did you say? So I, I, I said I don't want to put you on the spot, and Shelly's like, I do. I do. <laughs> I want to hear it. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I hate this already. Oh, oh you don't have to. You really don't have to do it. I'm gonna do it. Okay. I'm a Leo. Why would you do this? <laughs> Spotlight. There once was a last monotony named her countenance icy as snow. Sharp with a word, as still a blade. Drink on me, hearties, yo-ho. Her smile is radiant and as rare as the full moon eclipses glow. She's stolen me heart, I need treasure too. Drink on me, hearties, yo-ho. Yeah! Oh my God! There's like way more, but I'm not going to sing all of it. That was amazing! <laughs> that was great. Your voice is so good. It's so good. <laughs> Yeah. What? <laughs> that was really beautiful. That Thank was you. what a cool idea. Thank you. Um, oh, I yes. want to bring sea shanties into my game now too. I, I also want to write um, one. I also wrote a. Um, do you remember? I was going to ask you if you guys have seen Critical Role. I don't know if that's a question <laughs> or not. A what? <laughs> um, mm. If uh, in season one of Critical Role, uh, campaign one of Critical Role. Um, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but a certain character uh, sings another character a song for a certain ritual. Um, hmm. I, I wrote the song. I wrote it. You wait, you you wrote that song? No, I didn't write the song that they sang. Oh. I just wrote a song based around it. Oh, wild. oh my gosh. I know, right? I was like, wait, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> hey, um, does that timeline match be... up? <laughs> No. <laughs> when you, when you she was like six game? years old. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be a, a huge honor, but no. <laughs> I love that, though. I love that. That's what I love about this game is because it inspires you to write a song in your character. I know. Like, something that you watched that, you know, that you're like, oh, I'm inspired to to complete this creative work that was just alluded to in something else. And mm-hmm. uh, that is 
at the heart of what 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 D and yes. is to me. Yes. That's really cool. I love it. Do you I think, think that fun. Mona could ever appear in like some of your fiction, some short stories? Um, that's a good question. I would have. I feel like I would have to get permission from my DM first. <laughs> so a lot of a lot of her character is like very embroidered in this campaign. Mm-hmm. Um and I I personally think that everybody should know the campaign and love it as much as I do, but of course that's not um up to me. So um I think that I mean there are characters that I could probably allude to. There uh, she she has like an alternate identity kind of and I feel like that character I could bring to other forms of media. Um but in terms of like Mona herself, probably not, but I still love her. <laughs> yeah, sounds awesome. She's my girl. She does indeed. So yeah, in some of your books, you were talking about the idea of, uh, you know, you mentioned asexuality, what that means, and mm-hmm. and and how to bring that forth. We actually just spoke to someone I think last week that was uh, also asexual, and how that mm-hmm. was uh, a big part of 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 who they are and how they brought it to the game. So yeah, if you, I'd love to hear your uh, experience with that and uh, how it blends into the kind of characters and stories that you write. Um. My, okay, so like being Arrow Ace as I am, um, it was very difficult for me growing up to write anyone or see anyone as anything other than Arrow Ace. So when people like flirt in front of me, I was have like question mark, question mark, question mark kind of <laughs> reaction. <laughs> it was very much like a, uh, okay. Um <laughs> So it's like, it's kind of like, it's like somebody else speaking a language that I don't speak. Um, so it's it's definitely like something that I had to navigate and like learn how to navigate. Um, and I'm a lot better about it now, but like f- every character I think I've ever written has some, have been on the asexual spectrum in some way, shape or form. Um, I don't know if I've ever written anyone who wasn't. <laughs> um, well, how does uh, Arrow Ace fit into the, into the spectrum? What's the... Yeah. Oh, so Aries is ace, ace, asexual and aromantic. So um, in terms of the split oh, attraction Aero. model, yeah, in terms of the split attraction model, you have your sexual attraction or lack thereof in my case, and you have your romantic attraction or lack thereof in my case. And so some asexuals are like heteroromantic or biromantic or panromantic or so on and so forth. Um, and some uh, aromantics are like um, heterosexual or homosexual or bisexual or so on and so forth. Um, and just for like aro aceness, it's like you're like in terms of like a, like a, it's not really a scale. It's more like a nebulous blob. But <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but if you were to think about it as like a linear scale, I would be like on this end, the like no sexual, no sexual attraction, no romantic attraction. And um, that's me. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. When you said it, I, I for some reason, I thought Aros has an E-R-O-S, the Greek god oh, of love. Oh, that'd be cool. Oh, and I was yeah. like, oh, wait, how does this work? Wow, so now, that's now... so cool. We that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in love with love. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like that, that makes sense. And in some ways, you must be before for for writing characters, right? Because so mm-hmm. much, you know, unfortunately, so much plot evolves, especially in 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 genre fiction around the romantic romantic plots. Yeah, yeah. And I, so, how do you how do you navigate that? 
I mm, I hate it. <laughs> I I and here's the thing. Um, a lot of uh in writing, but also in like the TTRPG space, a lot of like the thought is that you want you want a romantic relationship to feel fulfilled. And for some people, that is the case. Um, for me and for some folks like me who identify that way, um, it's it, we are more uh, content with just like platonic relationships or like familial relationships where it's very much, uh, uh, it's like, it's not less or more. It's more like it runs parallel to, I guess, romantic um, desire. Uh, and it's it's kind of essentially the same thing if you think about it that way. So I can have friends that I feel so deeply attached to that fulfill the same role that a romantic partner would otherwise fill, but I don't need a romantic partner. I don't want a romantic partner, you know? So it's kind of like that. Um, in the writing world, it is a lot of people feel unfulfilled without a romantic relationship involved in the plot. Um, and I mean, like, it's more common to have a romantic relationship. Even in this short story that I wrote for Being Ace, um, there there is a romantic relationship that is portrayed. Uh, so it's good as like a plot device. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it doesn't necessarily, you don't have to have a romantic relationship in order to, um, like, fulfill the plot, basically, to make it feel worthwhile. Um, I actually prefer when it doesn't happen. So, yeah. that's just me, though. No, it's probably not just you. I mean, it's probably. Yes, I just, <laughs> I don't want to speak for, like, all Arrow Aces. I know some folks are, are really into, um, like, romantic relationships in fiction or, like, other people's love lives or stuff like that, where you could be happy for other people and stuff like that. But I'm not, yeah. I don't want to speak for, I don't want to speak for those folks who who do feel that way. I just, I'm not one of them, that's all. <laughs> but I also feel like putting more of those types of stories out there normalizes it, obviously, and that there are people who are probably struggling. We, As Greg mentioned, we've talked to some people who are uh, asexual. I, one interview that comes to mind is Jay Talsqual, who talked about how he felt broken and like, that like there's something wrong with me because everywhere he looked, these relationships were being portrayed. And that obviously if you were a, a man and you weren't interested, then there had to be something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. But I could see, imagine picking up a short story or, or a novel or watching a, a live stream D&D &D game and seeing a very fulfilled, happy character who's not engaging in these types of relationships because they, they don't have to. It would be... That kind of representation, I feel like, is is important. And yes. there's probably a lot of people who are going to read your work and feel really seen. And that's important. I hope so. I feel like that's, that's the, not the goal necessarily, but that's like a dream, you know, like I, I, if anyone would read my works and see themselves in it, I would hope that that um, brings them some form of peace. Because uh, we definitely like didn't have, at least in, my mind we didn't have anything like this sort of thing growing up I didn't know I was ace until I was 17 mm -hmm. um and that's like a long time to go thinking that you're broken <laughs> think right. there's something wrong with you because everybody else seems to be falling in love and falling out of love and you just don't see the point of it um <laughs> like this is the sort of thing that just like it didn't occur to me growing up it was like everybody was like getting together and then 
falling apart. And I was always like, this is so unnecessary. Uh, I always <laughs> thought it was a choice. I always thought, I was like, why would you, why, why go after that person when you know they're just going to break your heart? There, you have right. two choices when you date somebody. You're either going to marry them or you're going to break up. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a lot of pressure. Right. It just seems silly to me, but I mean, I, I'm a lot, I'm a lot more open-minded these days. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I would be remiss if I did not shout out um, my favorite ace characters in the TTRPG space, um, Caduceus from Critical Role Campaign 2 and Riz Gutgek from uh, Dimension 20's Fantasy High. Um, and I think that those were the, those two instances were the first that I had seen in like, I don't want to say mainstream media because that's, but like... <laughs> In, in in terms of like you know popular media, uh, that was that was really monumental for me. Seeing my experiences reflected in other uh, characters um, was that shook something in me. Uh, and yeah, I would love to um, be able to explore that in games and in my writing, and and have people see themselves in what I've written and what I've portrayed. Right. It's a reciprocal thing. Right. That's like, mm-hmm. that's what's what makes a community a community in some ways is being yeah. able to, oh, right. I see you. And now I want to, and now feel free to express myself uh, fully. Right. And, and mm-hmm. in that way, I love that. I also, just as we're talking here too, I'm realizing so many times uh, I'm asked by people who are older than I am, uh, who are like, oh, why is D&D so popular right now? And so many times I've been like, well, there were people who were looking at Dimension 20, looking at Adventure Zone, uh, and might have known about Dungeons and Dragons, know what Dungeons and Dragons was, but that was their first instinct to want to play it themselves. And as we're talking here, I'm realizing like, you are that person. <laughs> personified uh, in so many ways about what this, uh, you know, uh, growth in the community has been all about. Have you seen that from other, from other folks that that have been happening? A hundred percent. Most, most streams that I join, I'm the youngest person there. Um, And I have like both in like age and in like experience playing D and D. So it's definitely like a, like a novel thing where it's like, wow, these people have been playing for years and years and years. And like, like around tables, like literal physical tables. And <laughs> like for me, I actually, wait, that's not true. I was going to say I've never played D&D at a physical table, but that's actually not oh true. I've, I've played a couple of different types. I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> wow. Like everything you've only played online. I've only played online. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, most of, most of my friends are, are spread across the country. Um, yeah. So even before the whole pandemic thing happened, um, like I was, I was pretty much my friends were in other places. Like I said, I grew up, I grew up really lonely. So um, yeah, the, the internet was kind of a blessing for me, um, both in like opening my eyes to other forms of media that I can explore writing and characters through and also just connecting yeah. to people who um, would eventually become my best friends. So what a world. What a world that we have changed and morphed and even in 20 years, 10 years, how mm-hmm. communities have become. They started to be online around, you know, the 2000s. And now it's like, yeah, no, this is just where we live now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, us included. Like, we have not included, uh, recorded a Dragon Talk 
in person uh, since since March 2020. Feb- yeah, March and February 2020. <laughs> right? And it's become so much of our, our you know, lives are spent uh, uh, interfacing this way on a screen as well as, you know, as much as we can in person uh, now mm-hmm. safely. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about uh, all of these things that we've been <laughs> discussing and then how it can funnel into your dungeon mastering. You've been a player for a long time, but mm-hmm. as a writer and a creator... I'm sure the instinct to want to run a a game in your own image uh, is, is is something in your strong. own image. Yeah, go <laughs> right. I am God. <laughs> Dungeon masters are God. It's true. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I I do have a little bit of experience in uh, DMing. Um, there way back when, like a year or two after I started uh, playing D&D in the first place, I had gathered a bunch of folks um, to record an AP for uh, D&D called the Blurred Crusade. Mm. Um, It never got off the ground, unfortunately, but we did play a few sessions and it was a lot of fun. Um, And I like, once I got that itch, I was like, Oh man, I really like it. Um, So I have DM'd a couple of different things that never really took off I'm more of a so like I'm more of a long-term campaign sort of person like I'm a very slow burn I like foreshadowing and like motifs and um you know like just building up um a world and character arcs and stuff like that um so I like the space to do that and so I have tried a different a couple of different times to get campaigns off the ground and it hasn't really uh, happened. I did DM a one shot that turned into a two shot um, for my my home group. Um, and that was I think that was more nerve wracking than anything I've ever done. Oh, wow. The same group uh, that you were playing Mona with? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm. They said that it was fun and I'm glad that they had fun, but it definitely was like the most terrifying thing because these are people that I've been playing with for years and years. And um, like, I feel like there was a certain expectation that I had to be amazing. And I was not sure if I achieved that. And also that wasn't, I can it wasn't the expectation that they put on me. It was that I put on myself and I know that they are the greatest and I love them very much. I just wanted to be worthy of them. Um, so I had fun. It was terrifying. So I don't know if I'll be doing it again anytime soon, but I have been thinking about it. Um, that said, yeah, I love, I love DMing. Um, it's a lot of work though. And I'm really lazy. Um, (laughs) like it depends. I relate to that. Yeah. Great. I'm not not, like, not saying Greg's not good. Not saying you're not a good DM, (laughs) but I am often just shocked at like, that you sometimes you don't prep things. <laughs> I loved watching your face trying to figure out a nice way to say that. <laughs> it's it's very freeing. I love it. I'm very very. Um, I it makes me it gives me hope. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, I so I'm a plotter primarily. Um, mm. I have a few pantsing tendencies, but I am primarily a plotter. So it is really difficult for me to DM stuff. Um, because I want to control every aspect of what is going to happen. Um, And I have to like have like several different branches of like choices that the players can make and what would happen if they did this and this and this and this. And then always, always they decide to do something that I did not expect. And I have to completely make up something on the spot. 
High fears too. That was my fear too. Yeah. So, um, so in, I, I don't, I don't consider myself a very good DM to be honest with you. I'm not necessarily bad. I'm just inexperienced and I don't have the motivation to be more experienced because mm. <laughs> it's very scary and can be a bit frustrating. Um, I see that's so funny. It's like, I think you are a, a combination of, of me and Shelly uh in in our dungeon mastering <laughs> right where it's like the prep and things i i similar where i've been like hey i've created all this world i've you know done the work even though i'm also primarily a, a, a lazy dm um <laughs> but forced myself to do it and then the players interact with it in a way that it's not anticipated and then it, it those feels don't match up right where you're like mm-hmm. oh okay well i did all this work and you're going in this direction uh mm-hmm. okay and not okay. necessarily meta, you know, the metaphorical direction of like, you know, mm-hmm. character development. And that, that, that's not always a good feeling as a DM. So I went the other way, which was just like, well, I'm just going to make up everything on the fly. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not married to any specific plots or any kind of ideas and I can kind of do it. But then that, you know, leads to what Charlie is talking about, which is like, well, that didn't really feel prepared, did it? Oh, <laughs> that's not what I meant. No, but I know, I know. I think you're very good, which, and but you like, you have admitted, like I don't even, I don't even know what's going to happen today. Like you, right? And but it's still really good. But it's, I do think it, like you have to be somewhat confident and experienced to get yeah. to that level. It's like a good improv person, right? Like you know, if you, uh, someone who's not experienced in improv comedy, throwing them up on stage, yeah, maybe probably won't be funny. They might still be improving, but like an experienced person can take whatever is thrown at them and find the funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, like, it would come with more experience. It's just that, you know, like, that sort of thing I'm, I'm definitely taking um, slowly. Yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes <laughs> yeah, and the creative you don't have endeavors. To. Right, you don't have to. I also we, think, I mean, like, yeah, that's what I was going to say, is that I think that, like, as a performer, I think I'm probably better as a player than a DM, um, simply because, well, okay, a lot of folks think that, like being a player is easier than DMing. And like, well, I think that it kind of is. Um, I do think that they're both like different types of hard because mm. there's a lot more um, when you're a player, there's a lot more navigating that you have to do uh, with everyone else. Because with like, with like the DM, they can kind of like set up a scenario and let the players run wild. Um, but you, as the player, you have to be doing the running wild. And so like you have to be making the choices and being considerate of your fellow players and their characters um, and uh, keeping in mind where you want your character to go in terms of development and also just like the improv on top of all of that. It is very difficult. Um, and I feel like players should be appreciated more. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I think there is a big distinction in, you know, common wisdom that like, oh, the DM does all the work uh, and, and all the burden is on them to make the story uh, as good as it can be. And none of that burden is on the players. And I, I think that is not true at accurate. all. Yeah, I don't think that's very accurate because first of all, if that is the case, you probably don't have a very good group. <laughs> uh, uh, it's just that like... Or it's, the group doesn't match your expectations. Yeah. I think that's it too. Like I, I've tried to say that a couple of times. There are groups that just want to bash monsters and, and, and you know, mm-hmm. get to the next quest and blah, blah, blah and do those things. And that's great. But like, I, I think what you're talking about is a disconnect where... Yes. 
uh, a DM wants one thing or one player wants one thing and then the other players aren't giving them. And, that, and it's about, as the players, finding the fun for everybody should it be as much as their responsibility as it is the DMs. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, I I do agree. Um, I, I think that, I guess the, that's another thing is that like I'm aware there are folks who are just about like crunching the numbers and like not necessarily telling stories um in in the way that i do um i know those folks exist uh hmm. and they are valid and also i cannot fathom that lifestyle at all i need <laughs> i need to build my babies into something grand and beautiful so that at the very end of it i can weep and be happy and proud of all the work that i did you know <laughs> Yeah, um, I love that you didn't say play style. You're like lifestyle. I don't understand. Your life. <laughs> I don't understand your life choices that led you to get to that point at the table. <laughs> oh, now I feel bad. No, uh, I mean, it's true. I mean, people. It, it's so, again so, part I mean, of what makes this game so cool. Is that it's cathartic it's, it's, for you, or if it's fun for you, that's fine. You know, it's like that's the sort of folks who play Call of Duty. I guess you know, it's just a sort of you know, there's there is respect in that. Um, it's just not. It's not my lane. Uh, and I uh, acknowledge that. I guess that's all. <laughs> Makes yep. total sense. And I agree with you. I think no, more I players think. should think about the things we're talking about here, which is, you know, it's it, you have just as much responsibility as the DM to tell the story that you want or the, mm-hmm. the, and the, or the story that your fellow players want. Like sometimes there are going to be times where you're not the focus or your character is not the, the focus, and that's great. Like, But don't just disengage. Don't just mm-hmm. use that time to go look at your phone you know, be a supporting character in this arc or in this session. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of um, responsibility on folks who are, you have a responsibility to your character. You have a responsibility to your friends um, and you have a responsibility to your DM. And I think at the end of the day, it's mostly just about respect. Yeah. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Hmm. I know what it means to me. <laughs> I want to work that in. <laughs> Let's get that parody going. <laughs> Please don't sue it's me. Your next song. Right. Get it on the TikToks. Nope. <laughs> I'm not on TikTok yet. I really should be. You yeah. really should be. I really yes. should be. Get that sea shanty going on there. I know. <laughs> I thought it was good. I'm glad. I I, I'm, I'm very embarrassed about it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, uh, what are, I mean, you mentioned a couple of the ways that people can uh, find your work that you want them to and <laughs> that you don't want them to. Uh, so, yeah, where, where can we point people to what you are doing and the, the, the live tweeting of sessions that you do uh, mm-hmm. and all that? I'm primarily on Twitter. You can find me in, on Twitter at uh, Cinderscoria, C-I-N-D-E-R-S-C-O-R-I-A. Um, it's a rock. Don't, don't ask questions. <laughs> Uh, uh, that's where I usually hang out. I retweet a bunch of other people in the TTRPG space. I live tweet our D&D games under the hashtag The Good Fraction and D&D Adventures. Um, I also live tweet our Elixia games uh, on Zilzaddy's channel uh, under the Elixia tag and D&D Adventures. Um, and that is usually where you can find uh, usually where you can find me. If you wanted to talk to me, shoot me a DM on Twitter. That's usually where I find it. Uh, I'm very friendly. You can talk to me. Or don't. 
I guess if I'm scary, I didn't think about that actually. <laughs> No. It's up to you. It's, like, it's up to you what you want to do. Um, but please hit me up for 2023 because I have like practically no games I'm doing except for I'm going to do something with Queen's Court Games soon. And also I'm on Other Sider Studios um, doing the Arcane Core, which uh, if you followed Girls Win These Worlds, that was our Monster of the Week game. Nice. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So that should be, I don't know when it's coming up, but it will be coming up. Awesome. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I um, have a feeling you'll be plenty busy. So. I, I I certainly hope so. I go yep. a little stir crazy. I I um, gotta keep the creative. I need to be flowing. busy. I'm a workaholic. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Yep. <laughs> well, Understand thank you very that. much for having me. Yeah, thank no, this you. has been fantastic. Yes. And I love how you're like, hey, I'm not doing anything. By the way, I'll be on this thing and this thing and this thing and well, this thing. <laughs> And you're like, oh my god, that's a lot. Coming up, I might start this. So. Oh, right. there was a time where I was doing something every day. Every day except for Sunday, maybe. Mm. Yeah. So uh, I, I, when I say that I'm a workaholic, I mean like I need to be. Please, <laughs> always please, running. If always. you want me in your games, please hit me up. Running up that hill, I love it. Oh, and yeah. then yeah, the <laughs> antho- what's the name of the anthology that your short story? The anthology is called Being Ace. It is edited by Madeline Dyer, and it will be out October, I believe. Ooh, nice. yeah, it's on Goodreads now. If you want to um, pre pre what do you call it? Add it to your lists. Oh, uh, add it yeah. to your shelf. It has a cover and everything. It's beautiful. Um, Very cool. Lots of uh, other uh, notoriously asexual authors um, a part of it. Lindsay Miller and uh, Rosie Thor and so on and so forth. Very exciting. I don't that know is. how I got into it. I'm so honored. <laughs> yeah. Because you're great. awesome. Yeah. Ah, thanks. You did it. Well, yeah, thanks again. Those are all amazing things that are happening. And I, as we said, the more will be coming. So give a follow. And uh, thanks so much for coming on, Jess. Yeah, thank, thank you, Jess. I appreciate you guys. What a delight, as we oh, said. What yeah. a wonderful person. Um, So nice. So funny. So charming. So articulate. And uh, what a voice. What a singing voice. I, know. I would sing all the time. If I, I, I wouldn't, I would just. If I could sing, I would sing. I would just sing all the time. Would you be like that uh, uh, character on SNL? Don't make me sing. I'm going to sing. Yes. Yeah. I would probably sing like a, I would have written and sang a a theme song for Dragon Talk. I just would have insisted upon it. Well, now you have to drop that that song right now. Go for it. No, I'm not going to do that to the... Kind people listening. Let's do it. One, eight. One, two, three. Dragon Talk, Dragon Talk is the place where the family feuds. I don't know what <laughs> is going on with this dude. Yeah, family my, feuds? That's my in, 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 improv theme song. I, I like the Dragon Talk, Dragon Talk. <laughs> Everything after that was no good. <laughs> valid, valid points from my friend. Oh, very nice. Very nice indeed. That was very, very fun, though. That was, uh, I loved hearing about the character development and, and like, you know, yeah, players, there's an obligation. As I'm speaking now as a dungeon master, mm. you players also have an obligation to like make this game fun and tell these stories. It's not just on the dungeon masters, such as myself. Wow. I think this might be. We had a lot of milestones uh, in the development of Shelley Mazzanoble here 
as I, dungeon master, but I think this might be the first time where you're like speaking as a dungeon master. I have I to say, am, and you're like pushing up your your eyeglasses while doing this. I am yes, I am now turning into like one of those know-it-all dungeon masters. <laughs> <laughs> I am a dungeon master. The stereotypes are true. It's all I, once you feel that power of God. You, if like a, a real dungeon master watched me dungeon master it would be like face palms and eye rolls you have no like no idea how much i make up how many rolls i break how many times i'm like oh just roll uh, an insight check and it's not that at all i just like it's all made up i don't and i just am like don't panic shelly just go with just all oh, they look like they need to roll some dice they're getting bored so mm-hmm. the wizard like wanted to do something and I'm like, you don't have a spell for that. But you know what? I'm like, you do. You totally do. So let's just say you did it. I don't care. Because she felt powerful and cool for doing it. Yeah. And it wasn't, it was like not in, like a, an in-combat thing. So who cares? Why not? Just let them. Right? Is that okay? Is that okay? Oh, well, I was just going to say, what you described is absolutely what you need to do while dungeon mastering, especially for kids who are new to it, right? Like you are, you're doing it correctly. Even though you sound like you're saying I'm not doing it, you're like that's I'm what you need to do. Nothing and I'll give you an example because we, when I played uh, with some new people at Thanksgiving, there was a person who was excited. She's a novelist and a writer and a fantasy person, and she was excited when I was describing fire genasi as being like uh, something that she can be as a race. And she was like, "Oh yeah, you're all oh, fire person. I love that. I love that idea of being, you know, uh, having these powers of fire, right?" And then we got into combat, and she wanted to make like a a wall of fire, essentially based on what I told her about how cool her fire genasi powers were. And the dungeon master wasn't trying to be uh, restrictive or anything, which is like, oh, yeah, that's a spell. Like, you know, it's a third-level spell. You can't just do a wall of fire. Right. And she was like, oh, well, this sucks. I thought I was the fire person. Like, why can't I do this one cool fire thing that I thought was the thing? And I get how... As the dungeon master, you want to be like, oh, yeah, no, there are rules. But And he was managing a large table, so I don't think he did it with enough care to, to uh, you know, make soften that blow. Right. And then she just bounced off the game. She was like, oh, all right, I'd rather just make up my own stories rather than be restricted by this. Uh, this oh, way, right? right? Yeah. I mean, she may come back to it later once she understands a little bit more. But yeah, you, you kind of do have to, at this early stage, make it more about the power fantasy or the fantasy of story collaborative storytelling more, in my opinion, than having the exact letter of the rules out there. I I just couldn't bring myself to say, like, you don't have that spell or you don't know how to do that, dumb wizard. But yeah. you're right. Like, it, it's, it actually just adds to the story. So it wasn't, like, a combat thing. And it wasn't, it just, it had literally nothing to do other than it was part of our funny story. Yeah. And the only thing I would have done differently would have been, like, hey, you can't do that right now. But here is something you could do right now, you know. Yeah, and 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 that part was missing. I try to say that to her independently as a player because again, players need to help out the DMs as much as they can. That's true. So I tried to tell her that, and she just kind of was like, mm, "Okay." Mm. But there was oh. that idea of like getting bigger and stronger over the the course of many sessions that I don't right. think she was as invested in at this moment. No, she's like, she "This just... is the only time I'm going to play." But if she got to do it, the cool thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe she would be like, oh, I did then this maybe cool thing. Like, and then and like later like, on, you could be like, oh, by the way, that was a third level spell. You need to be X level to get that, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know. Yeah. You can get more into the weeds later. 
but she could have maybe had like a really important, powerful moment in the game that like that's what she leaves Feeling her like. session with. Yeah, like Tini yeah. was awesome. I and then she's gonna go tell people like I I cast this. I mean, did a spell, created a wall of fire, and this happened and that happened. And, Oh, that actually does sound cool. I didn't know that was D&D. And so on and so on See? and so on. You got it already. You know it. Really? Mm-hmm. E- you knew it innately because um, you like kids and you want kids to feel like they're having fun. <laughs> I definitely want them to feel empowered and like they're having fun. They're doing some – they're just being so like – like everything that I feared about – being a dungeon master, like, I don't know what they're going to do. And it's too much improv. And I don't know the rules and stuff. They're, they will do because that's their nature. And that ends up being what I just really like. Like, I I decided to make them like, oh, they were in the mushroom. They were in the caves and there was these mushroom people. And they, when they got attacked by these vines, I've just been like, oh, a mushroom pops up on your skin. But they were terrified and like but also so intrigued i think some of them actually wanted to get mushrooms on their skin and then some of but then i was like oh you have to do a constitution save because you're going to take damage from it like one point of damage every turn if they didn't do something about the mushrooms yeah so like actually gave like there was some tension now involved and then one of them goes up to her friend on her turn they're both rogues and she goes i'm gonna carve that mushroom out of your forehead with my dagger. And I was like, what? (laughs) She's like, I just want to get it off. And the friend was like, yeah, yeah, do it. I'm like, I don't really know the rules for surgery. What do I do? (laughs) Like, seriously. I mean, it depends on if you want the tension to continue or not. If you wanted them to give them the choice to be like, okay, that's gone. You can just say that you just cut it off. Like I could have, but I actually was like, no, go ahead and try. And I'm just telling you now, it's going to be really hard. And oh, they wow. Didn't, yeah, she didn't so roll you made high the tension ramp up. She, I'm like, you got some of it off, but guess what? Another one just popped up. <laughs> she was like, oh, crap. Okay. Are you and then sure I'm, you haven't been watching The Last of Us? I, I know. Uh, Bart told me that too. <laughs> I watched one episode and I, it was too tense for me. I just Very tense. Yeah. Yeah. I can't I like anything like apocalyptic. I get really nervous about But that's exactly and, uh, what I keep thinking about as you're describing this. And then maybe but, it, it filtered into the kids' consciousness too. But then the, the paladins, like he was like, our junior paladin was like, I'm just going to do lay on hands. I got it. Don't worry. Here's her disease. And he had to tell me like six times how it worked. I was like, I don't think you have that. And he's like, all paladins have it. I'm like, well, I don't think you do because you're only first level. He's like, of course I have it at first level. <laughs> and he totally did. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, so what do you do again? He's like, oh my God. It's it in the name disease. of the thing. I put Just- my hands. <laughs> I lay my hands and it. Yeah. Do you have to roll dice? Like, what? I don't, I'm like, I never have played a paladin. I don't know. He's like, I got this. Okay. <laughs> I got this lady. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and I then could, he told the, the other paladin, he was like, you do it too, okay? You're like, listen to me, not her. <laughs> you do it. <laughs> Spoken like how a true paladin would act in that moment I know, too. Like, like, I got this. I'm not going to interfere. Just go ahead and heal them up. <laughs> so they did. I love whatever. that. I love it. Yeah. I still do, I still actually don't know how it works. <laughs> That's so fun. You got to look. He, well, yeah. He it assured is. me it. they're healed. Yeah. Like, okay. But they can only do that a certain 
amount of times, which is why he asked the other person to do it. Yes, they right. did. But like that was like that was their turn. They they could have some people would rather fight something than heal something. Yeah. But they were like, no, no, we'll we'll heal him up. We'll so we'll, we'll pray to our our deity and uh, get it going. So adorbs. Well, if you want to get in touch with us to ask us any questions about how to run down or give to the me advice, kids, please, or give Shelly advice, where can they find you? At Shelly Moo on Twitter and Instagram. And I am at Greg Tito on Twitter, Greg underscore Tito on Instagram, uh, and on Hive and Mastodon is Greg Tito as well. And co-host, even though I'm not even really on that. But check it out. There's other places to find and interact with moi and Shelly. And speaking of interacting, Drunky Two Shoes is interacting with a tabaxi in the Court of Whispers uh, and getting ready to find out more about the tabaxi homeworld. Finding my people. That's right. So, um, yes, you are in the Court of Whispers. You are speaking to a uh, a woman tabaxi. Um, and uh, she had licked your palms. Uh, and palms <laughs> oh, yeah. That's if I remember right. correctly. <laughs> Uh, and she said, "Yes, I'm. I'm. I'm willing to to go with you. I'm actually. You caught me at a good time because I am not engaged in any official business right now. And we're we're going off to see the tabaxi. That's what you had uh, proposed, if I remember. That's, yes, Jonathan. How do we get there? I don't know. We'll need to pool our resources, but I think there is one more tabaxi that we must find here on the radiant radiant citadel. My brother. Your brother left." Oh. Is the story that I heard. Uh, no, no, I, he was sent yeah. on a fact-finding mission and never returned. Oh, Daryl. But I believe maybe we should try to find out how Daryl departed. The Who Daryl. sent him on this mission? I believe it was uh, the speaker, Shola. And now uh, has instructed you to uh, follow in his footsteps, but perhaps with more of a helping hand than he was able to do. Daryl. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, did Shola tell us what the mission was? Yes, to find out um, what occurred to this civilization. Oh, okay. And to find your brother. That's your, that was your goal. That was my mission, but why, why she sent Daryl off? The speakers have a overarching mission to restore all of the civilization's that were connected at one time to the Radiant Citadel. Some of them are, uh, but we have some crystals uh, that are dormant and are not able to go to the founding civilizations. So yeah, uh. so the goal is to want to reunite all of our civilizations um, since the rebirth. Shola was one of the people that was here refinding this citadel and rebuilding it uh, after the connections had been lost. I'm, I'm, I'm committed to this, to this journey. Through the Radiant Citadel. Excellent. And Let's go. Uh, the woman that you're speaking to um, uh, says, um, yes, I think there is. There is another, now that you mentioned it, there is another uh, one of us that um, is a bit of a loner. Oh. She holds to herself. She lives, has a small hut um, on the edge. Okay, let's go. I've I only can... spoken with her once. What did you talk about? She was uh, shopping for food, and I uh, I don't often see people like us uh, here, and so I tried to speak with her, and she 
um, turned her shoulder to me and walked away. Oh, all right. Well, I, I can be very charming. <laughs> can you? Yes. Perhaps you've noticed. I have, indeed. You oh. are very attractive. Whoa. Is that too forward? No. I, I no. I take excellent care of my shiny fur. <laughs> you do. <laughs> it is lustrous. I thank you. <laughs> uh, Jonathan and, and Samson roll their eyes uh, at this uh, interaction. Can we please yes, continue on yes, with the let's mission? Let's go find that tabaxi. All right. Uh, and so you start walking uh, after the... Uh, individual, the, the the flirtatious individual. <laughs> uh, and she says, um, my name is Altia. What's yours again? Drunky. Is that your real name? Yes. Hmm. Drunky two-shoes. Seems like a, uh, doesn't really describe you. I'm drunk right now. <laughs> <laughs> you are? She's laughing. Yes. You are? Really? Mm-hmm. And I hand her my... Water skin filled with elixirs. Wine. Elixirs? Yeah. What's in yeah. it? Is it wine or, or what would you have in your in your skin? Whatever I can find. It's probably like um, a little bathtub gin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she takes a swig of it and she goes, <laughs> spits it out. Uh, you weren't kidding. No, no. You take what you can get. Wow, I feel I feel more at ease with you than I did. I was nervous you were going to um, not like me. Oh, compliments get you far, Altia. Well, uh, I hope that works on uh, this old tabaxi woman. What if it's my mother? Do you say that out loud? Yes, I, d- I do. Jonathan says, what if? Oh. Is that possible? I don't know. I've, I mean, never, I've never met my mother. You haven't? No. You and Daryl? We were adopted. Who adopted you? Some humans. Where? In Chalt. Oh. Is that an area in in your world? Yes. It's a jungle. There's Mm -hmm. dinosaurs. What are dinosaurs? Oh, uh, like really big giant kobolds on four legs. They have, they can speak? They lay traps and, and uh, attack and, and... No, they're just like reptilians. De- deceivious just, ways? No. Deceivious? Like a, like a tree? <laughs> like, a, like a tricky tree? <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan says, I think I've drank too much of your, your drink. Uh-oh. You're um, cut off. And you, you all continue walking. Uh, and we'll pick it up next time as... Uh, you're strolling, drinking, and getting to know and creating backstory. Yes, on the fly. Because I, I improv, because I'm a dungeon master. Yeah. yeah! Making it happen. All right. All right.